North-South Connection, it's Friday, and you know what that means, it's time for You Know What That Means, an AEW podcast. I am the host, Jordan Duncan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Reich. Andrew, we'll stop with the uh, the little intros and just bring you right in. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, this is a different show for us, huh? Yeah, uh, we, um, we're we right off of the lip of uh, Winter is Coming. I guess Winter has come. Yeah. <laughs> it has come and gone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, because I live in Michigan, and it was 55 degrees today, so I don't think Winter had actually gotten here yet, but sure enough, it already left Texas. <laughs> right. It's it's a play on Game of Thrones, which obviously right super popular, you right. know, easy pop culture reference for people, that, you know. And it, it was such an important show last year because – the AEW world title change hands between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Yep. So, you know, so you're expecting once they promote a title match for this is, Oh, maybe we'll see a repeat of that. Mm-hmm. And last get, year we just got, get people excited. Right. And we got the debut of uh sting last year too. So people think, you know, and AEW's thing lately is who's going to show up. And I think uh, we'll talk, as we talk, we talk about the results. Um, I think there is a moment near at the end where the lights went out and, people's minds started racing who's it gonna be and we were all going down our little checklist of who's supposed take. to show up. Yes. Yeah. yeah but uh yeah we'll get to that in a sec uh before we kind of break it down if this is your first time listening to uh you know what that means we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us we hope that you have downloaded if, if you haven't subscribed go ahead and subscribe to the feed uh not just our podcast so there's a whole lot of wrestling content on the north south connection that you can listen to at any time but me and andrew we like to talk aew we do mention other promotions from time to time but we're mostly an, mostly an aew show we come at you every couple of weeks uh this is the first time we've been three weeks since our last show we did it because because of this big show, winter is coming. And scheduling-wise, we were talking about it. We normally tape on a Tuesday, but we didn't want a preview show to come out after the show had already happened. Right, and we so. missed a few recaps. So if, for those who you, you know who follow the show, and well, you didn't talk about the shows in Chicago, yeah. or you didn't talk about the shows in Duluth. I mean, it, we can we're, we can cherry pick as we go along with certain moments. I mean, the MJF CM Punk verbal showdown to start the yep. Chicago Dynamite was phenomenal yep. I think that was the long island one too yeah yeah long island great crowd i i, I want to kind of get into the details of the the whole wwe versus AEW comparison specifically for long island because they sure. had done the same arena with it like within a week apart sure um and the numbers were kind of interesting like they they were predictable on the ratings end but on the ticket sales end it was very, very surprising is yep. what I'll say. Yep. But yeah, some of those shows had some terrific matches. We could probably talk about them as we as context. But Winter's Coming was the real build for the last few weeks yep. as the premier feud or the premier program is that Hangman Page is being challenged by Brian Danielson, and Brian Danielson literally wants to kick everyone's head in in the dark order before he can get to the king, which is uh, which is Hangman, and they finally had this showdown for the AEW title. It's also Hangman's first title defense since he won it from Kenny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, what's kind of cool as we talked about is, um, you know, uh, the the lead up to this has been Danielson just kind of kicking the heads off of uh, uh, Hangman's buddies. You know, the um, – sorry, right. I got a little distracted. They had to set the alarm on my house. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it, you can tell there, so. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we've seen some heads kicking in and it all led up to Danielson and Paige tonight. And I think it's interesting too that, that, um, 
AEW kind of has these big shows because, as we've talked about many times, they only do four pay-per-views a year. So this is sort of like a pay-per-view, not really yeah, a pay-per-view. I it's free TV, but it's, right. but it's special. I kind of liken it to Grand Slam. Yeah. Like Grand Slam was like was Dynamite oh, and definitely. Rampage. Yeah. Um, and Rampage was that Rampage was actually two hours long, but the show specifically the Dynamite because that was live. That show felt special. It was at the end of the day, it's still a Dynamite. And right. even when uh, CM Punk uh, returned slash debuted in AEW, that was a Rampage. That wasn't a special. The first special they're actually going to do is being has been promoted in the like. I mean, we had talked about it like sparingly at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. but now it's like crystal clear that they're going to do their first ever non dynamite, non rampage, nationally televised special, and it's going to be Battle of the Belts on January eighth in yep. I think in Charlotte at the Bojangles Arena. Yeah, uh, so. North Carolina for sure. I don't know if it's Charlotte or not. That's a Saturday it. night. Yeah. So it'll, yeah. And be they've done dynamites because of preemptions on Saturday nights. They've done pay-per-views on Saturday nights. So it's going to be interesting to see how that does on TNT. And then by the because also by that time on the 8th, the rest of the shows um or at least dynamite, dynamite's going to be on TBS. Right. Yep. So. Which by the time uh well, actually I think we'll have another episode here for our show before there's the switch is over. So, uh, right. anyways, uh, let's get into winners coming. I mean, it was, uh, only a few matches, uh, to our show. Half the show was one match and, uh, they kicked it off with the title match, uh, which I'm sure in the coming weeks, people are going to say it should have ended, shouldn't have opened, should have closed, blah, 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 blah. But hangman page, Brian Danielson, the title match started the show. And uh, I guess if you're listening, spoilers will be given uh, the, the, by the time I, you're listening I, I to this. You, I thought you said Warlow versus Matt Seidel went 60 minutes. Right. <laughs> if that's the case, then Warlow gave Matt Seidel, math-wise, four power bombs every minute <laughs> right. times 60, 240 power bombs. <laughs> right. Well, that's one for each pound that uh, – no, Matt Seidel can't wait 240. <laughs> Probably less. Yeah. Probably less. But, yeah. but this time – Seidel's older, but he's not that old. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's like Jeff Hardy. I, I mean, l- listen, Jeff Hardy is – He's trying to better himself, and it is what it is. But have you noticed his swantons? He doesn't have like that grace. He doesn't like smooth over on the opponent. He just lands on him like a like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, like, yeah, you like, can take the hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this one, uh, we got a fancy new note sheet that we read from. Uh, this match was sixty minute draw. Uh, again, that's the part where I mentioned spoilers. Uh, if you haven't watched the match yet and you're listening to our podcast, sorry, man, we're gonna spoil everything. Uh, they went to picture in picture four times because it is a regular two hour dynamite, um, and they had standard commercial breaks as yeah, well. Like picture in picture in, but... with a couple full commercial breaks. Right? Did it throw you off a little bit? You know, especially I... when it got to the, like the last. Yeah, think, the the last minutes. commercial break, I was kind of like ah, like because that's the... first things first. This was an incredible match. Uh, it built yeah. and it built and it built and it built. So when they hit that last commercial break, I was like, no. You know, like, I didn't want to wait a couple minutes. Like, it, it did hurt a little bit, but they came back and just brought me right back in. So, um, gosh, what a match. Like, I, I feel like I'm just fanboying. Like, is Brian Danielson the best wrestler? Like, he's the best, best wrestler in the world right now, right? Like, is that even a question? I think currently he's the best wrestler, professional wrestler, 
out there. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, gonna, I, I would say that, yes. Let, let me read you a tweet. Uh, let me bring it up real quickly. And uh, I th- you know what? For the heck of this could be our one big question tonight. Sorry for not even giving you uh, notice. Uh, our good friend Chad Campbell tweeted this tonight. Brian Danielson is simply the greatest wrestler to ever lace up a pair of boots. What do you think of that? I mean, he added more to it, Damn. but but is he the best of all time? Okay, okay. Are we going like super nerdy? And it's like, oh yeah, well, I like the like the Fantastics are my favorite tag team because <laughs> I saw like three matches that I love more than anybody else's. <laughs> right. Like, or are we talking? Or are we? Thinking bigger picture, like draw, bigger draw, better wrestler. Yeah, I think if we have to include draw and stuff, then I think it's hard to give I, it to him. For uh, me personally, I have such an affinity for Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. and um, and even Kenny Kobashi. I, 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 yeah, they're they're just the whole like the volume of their work is so amazing. I, I really like, especially when you grow up watching Bret and Shawn, you just. You gravitate towards them so much more. I do the same with Brian Danielson. You know when he came up in the Indies, because even even though he came up in the Indies after WCW was gone, you could tell he was like the shining light in that underground. Where yeah. in the, in the un, I don't want to call it the underbelly because that makes it sound dirty, right? But more like the non WWE. Let's wrestling. be real. Wrestling has an underbelly. Like, it does. <laughs> like TNA was sort of like the WWE wannabe, and then there was Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. which, by the way, just kind of closed its doors with Final Battle. Um, but and they had a lot of guys that were alumni that went on to become big stars. Danielson was one of them, as mm-hmm. himself and as Daniel Bryan. The thing is, like his body of work, it. He is such a great wrestler. He made wrestling transcend the sports entertainment sphere of WWE. He was able to thrive as a great performer within the WWE system without yeah. without really compromising his moveset or what he does. But, Jordan, this is where like he really unlocks a fourth dimension as a performer. Mm-hmm. He leaves WWE, which is sports entertainment, let's call spade a spade. You go to AEW where it's more of the truer you, – you're, you can be more of your truer self. He has more latitude because he's a star. He can have longer matches, and he just goes out and he just snaps right back into the American Dragon. Yep. And he adds a little doesn't, bit doesn't of – Doesn't skip a beat. He adds these little small nuggets that he learned in WWE to his game. He's such a – he's a better promo now. He's got more patience. He's got – his timing is perfect. Like – Oh, yeah. He he just doesn't miss a beat. You know, this match, just a transition to this one in, in particular, like in the very beginning, first of all, ju- just like a lot of these matches that go the distance now, there's I could probably count on two hands how many times I've seen a one-on-one one-hour or 45-minute match. I think Cena and Michaels had one in England yep. one time on that I really enjoyed on Raw. Right, right. Before, right, right before Mania, yep. Lesnar and Angle had an Iron Man match. Yep. Um, I'm trying to figure out a. There's a. There's probably a bunch of others that I'm missing, but they, uh, Barry Windham and Ric Flair in the '80s. Yeah, Flair Steamboat had a two or three falls. Yeah, that was the, that was in the Superdome, mm-hmm. and um, and so. When you watch those matches, sometimes they're they're designed to go sixty minutes. You already know it going in. Yeah, you know it's, it's almost like a con- like a sports contest, like an Iron Man match. This one, you can almost tell early on based on the pace if it's super sl- not sluggish, but when it's really like methodical. Yeah, 
and you could see see him taking their time. Danielson's putting his body under the ropes. Oh, get away from me, get away from me. Back off. You could just tell, man, they are really taking their time with this. This yeah. is not a match that's going to go like balls to the wall. It's not like a Young Bucks match where we're just going to be having like super kicks all over the place to start the match. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of eased itself in. It was almost like Brett Shawn in the in, in WrestleMania. Like right. it felt like they were just kind of like, like almost. I don't want to say matriculating the what? match, but but they were trying to keep it going and get through kind of those like. Because listen, there is always going to be parts of a sixty minute, a one hour match. There are going to be drags. Sure. I mean, there has to be. That's why they had commercial breaks. Right. There's going to be parts where it's like, man, you got to give these guys a blow or, you know, we can't, like, waste it. And I will say this, too. The biggest tell, and we could talk about particular moments, there were some amazing, like, sequences in here. But there was this one part where Danielson looks up at the ref, and I think he said, what time, how much time is there? And that's when I realized, okay, we're going the distance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Again. I think any wrestling fan who's watched for a while could kind of pick up on those cues and like, oh, this one's going 60. But then in those last few they hooked me right. where I'm like, oh my gosh, in in 59 minutes. And like, remember, when uh, when Ric Flair lost to Ricky Steichen, that match ended. It, it was right to, it was right. And I think Steamboat got him on the chicken wing. Yep. Yep. And and so, but it, so there actually was a result a pinfall right but it was at the before this one it it gets really interesting where you know hangman gets busted and that's a lot of people are calling it the nigel spot for those who don't know danielson had had a couple of brutal matches in ring of honor with nigel mcginnis and there is this brutal spot he traps his arms and he just posts his head right right on the uh like straight on i think i think did steve do the same thing to kurt angle at SummerSlam, mm, gosh, you're asking the wrong guy. Or it was kind of, <laughs> but he locks his arms. Just he's kicking him in the head all the time. He kind of hit him with the shoulder because the storyline that they had for the majority of the match was that Danielson was working Hangman's shoulder and arm so that he couldn't get the buckshot. Larry was trying to get after Brian Knee when he accidentally hit it on the post, so he couldn't do any leg lock mission holds. And that was kind of the story that they that they sprinkled throughout the match. Hangman bleeds from the post spot that I was that he makes a comeback. Near falls, great stuff, and then there's one where he goes from the uh, turnbuckle all the way over, and he spills right then. That was ugly. <laughs> it goes to a picture, and he gives him a fucking DDT on the floor, on the screen. And I'm like, and that's when I started realizing, okay, when we get a commercial break, I mean, this match, Danielson might win this one. And then he, um, Paige uh, tries to get the buckshot, uh, Danielson transitions into LaBelle Lock. I thought it was over right there. Like, I thought that that the Heyman might drop the title right there. Yeah, see, I, they didn't hook me enough to make me think Paige was going to lose. I I, th- I I think I saw all the warning signs that you see. Not warning signs, but the little tells that you see where, you know, as people who've been watching wrestling long enough were like, okay, this one's going really long, and then it's since Brian Danielson, you say, okay, this is going to be a 60-minute draw, 45-minute draw, whatever. Uh but then they, they, they hooked me thinking that Paige was going to win in the last minute or so. I never really fully thought Paige was going to lose, though. And I think the main reason why it's his first title defense. Like, talk about a, a dud of rain if they would have took it off, taken the t- title off him right there. And I think just for that reason, I, I, I didn't bite. You know, if we're six months, a year into his title reign, I'd probably hook, line, and sinker on that one. Um, but not saying that, you know... They did anything wrong. It's just uh... so. So what you're saying is that it wasn't as like a lot of people compare this to the one with Kenny mm-hmm. uh, at Grand Slam. The the reason why I like this one more 
you know, it's a, we just saw it, but the the Hangman one. But the reason why I probably like this one more is more complete. I hate Elfish, mm-hmm. but when I saw Kisses Brian, I felt like there was more in the tank. Well, like, I think so too. I saw time, but yeah. they decided let's just let's just do a draw here. Um, with so that one, people... with that one, I feel like the draw kind of the the bell rang as it was really getting going. Where this one really, really got hit that next level awesome. And, and Brian selling, more. yeah. Brian selling at the end when Hangman is oh, getting like a, desperately trying to get up like a guy like he's swimming like but, a fish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like swimming it's like, out of it's water. like Mike Tyson when Buster Douglas hit him. Looking and he's for just his, yeah. trying to get up. Looking for his mouth know? guard. Yeah. It's it's like the like the champ is down, but you you can't count him out right. yet. Like like, like his the, brain's working. He knows what he needs to do, but his body's not responding. <laughs> you know. <Right. laughs> and then he hits it. Um, bell goes off before he gets the pin. The fans kind of, and also no post match stuff. It just yeah. kind of ends. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like moving on, but um. But not really. But um, I like this one more. Uh, not necessarily because it was longer. Because less than is Jordan, a sixty-minute match longer, even forty-five. It's a, a two-hour show. <laughs> it's hard to be entertaining. It is yeah. to have a really good, like a fun all-around sixty-minute match. Like the best compliment you can give a match like this is that it it feels like it flies by. Yep. And I will say this: the first thirty minutes really flew by pretty quick. Yep. I agree. You know, and and you could see that Danielson was sort of getting the leg up on him. He was always whapping her, doing the matumbo, like, oh no no, doing, a lot of jump, doing jumping jacks and yeah, doing jumps. Um, got him. He got him flush with a knee off the apron. I mean, like right in the face. Um, a lot of close contact stuff. Hangman with some amazing athleticism. I think he tried to do a release jerk. No, he tried to do a release backdrop suplex, and Hangman backflipped out of it and landed on its feet. And yeah. that's kind of where the match starts. Really like yeah, that's where they hit the discus. Up, yeah, right? Page hits the discus. Danielson hit one, and then Page goes for another one, and <laughs> Danielson just kicked him right in the head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just wild. Amazing. I mean, Excalibur and Taz were exhausted. Yeah, I don't know how they finished the rest of the show. Yeah. But what's cool yeah. too is like this is just where Danielson's just such a pro. Is like, I think every move he used to beat the Dark Order guys leading up to this, he he tried them all. He tried them all. Work. He tried the Gotch pile driver. Uh, he did the, you know, the the arm holding the arms, kicking the face in, which he did do to to Page, and then Page got him back and did it to him near the end. Uh, yeah, everything he did to the Dark Order leading up to this, he he either attempted or seated in, and it just wasn't enough to put the champion down. So yeah, it was, and, and, and it was also trying the knocks didn't really help because remember he injured his leg, and which which is because he's a genius, sells at some points in the match. Yep, where. Like, he kind of does, like, he tries to, like, he gets off the top rope and he jumps down, ow, my knee, like, kind of yep. thing. So he can't sink it in. So that's sort of the story that they told all the way through the end. And even Paige, like, they, like, and Excalibur made a really, they, they made a good point of mentioning this, that Hangman's, Hangman's, like, his biggest strength is his power game. Like, mm-hmm. he's, it, the thing that shocked me when I looked at him really head-to-head, I mean, Hangman's at least, at least four feet or like four inches taller than him. Yeah. At yeah. least like, I'm not saying Brian is short. Now Brian's dangerous. Like right. <laughs> you, you don't want to be in the ring with that guy when he's like folding you like a, pre- but Hangman was doing his like, strong, like his lariats, his clotheslines, 
Danielson wasn't going down because the effectiveness was gone because he weakened the arm. So, like, really good, just true wrestling story. It wasn't, like, a character type of thing, which works, too. You see great character-based matches. This one was a little bit of both. Also, Danielson, with the double birds, just cursing him out on the mat, mm-hmm. like... You could tell, like, the intensity was high in the last 15 or 20 minutes of that match. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. This this feud's not over. They're going to go more. So I think even, too, some story that we'll see coming out of it is Danielson hit him with everything he had, and he couldn't put Paige away. Paige hit him with almost everything he had. He never hit the buckshot to the very, very, very yeah. end, and he didn't the, have the time one, to pin the, him. The, the, the secondary is the dead eye. Yeah. Where, yeah like, the, he hit him with the dead eye on the apron. <laughs> the gosh pile driving to the dead eye was beautiful. Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, they hit that so seamlessly. Yeah, but I, so. I think that's, an, that's something they could definitely hit on moving forward is that, like, Paige can say, the only reason I couldn't put you away is because I couldn't hit the, the the buckshot. And if I hit you, you're, you're done. You know, because he pretty much was done. He just didn't have the time to pin him. So I think it's interesting they'll have to come out of it. Danielson says, you can't me. Uh, where Paige can say, you hit me with literally everything you had, and you couldn't beat me. So they're definitely going to fight again. I mean, I would guess Battle of the Belts is probably the most, I mean, is that Maybe. I, I feel like if if they do another draw, Paige has got to win a title match in between here and there just to get a W. Like, I don't think yeah. the, I don't think the draw hurts him as the champion. Give him, I would say just give him a, a mini heater, yep. quote-unquote, yep. where it's like, he gets like he, he, like Malachi Black, yep. and he beats Malachi, kind of yep. a thing. Now Malachi is in another realm right now with his ankle, which we'll talk about. But right. <laughs> um, but did, was this your favorite match this year? Like uh, I know we're right off of it, but so, was it your favorite so short far? Shortlist is is that one, the Kenny match. Uh, now, granted, I only have watched AEW, so I don't really like have any WWE matches to. to yeah, for offer. WWE, in my personal opinion, I saw a great one between Walter and Ilya Dragunov, and that's pretty much yeah. it. Um, and and I, I loved uh, the tag match at All Out with the Bucks and uh, uh, not Lucha Express, but uh, Lucha the Lucha Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, that yeah. wild, wild, which is totally different style of match. I mean, they had the the spiked th- thumbtack shoes and stuff. I would yeah. say those three are at the top of my list, but I'm also the type of guy who like, I mean, we're in December now, so it's kind of hard for me. To, I'd have to sit and think for a couple minutes about what I watched in January, February, March. I, I like this one more than Hangman's match with Kenny. Um, and Hangman's yeah. match with Kenny at full gear is terrific. Yeah, it's good. But this one, I mean, Hangman, hey he got tested. He got tested. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is one where, even wrestlers watching that saying, man, that was exhausting to watch, and I do this for a living. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you if know? you go on Twitter, people are gushing over it, you know, like, and wrestlers yeah. too. Like, I saw X-Pac. Um, there's a couple wrestlers I saw just saying, this is pro wrestling. <laughs> like, it is. this is pro wrestling, you know, so. It, it, it's a truly great generational <clears throat> performer at the peak of his powers. Yeah. And I'm not trying to bury uh, Adam Page either. He did his part, you know. Oh, yeah. He was. He was there every step of the way. I never felt like the match I never felt like the match had to slow down because like Danielson had to like adapt to what Hangman was doing. I felt like they were both in sync pretty well with everything that they needed to do. It was just a lot of stalling to start because, you know, there no one knows yet, but you're going an hour. Right. So, it wasn't it, the body of the match I felt like was a little bit 
lopsided where the, it really picks up the last 15 minutes. But when you have a match that goes that long, you kind of expect it. You can't right. go balls to the wall for 60 minutes. I mean, I think Brian Danielson might be able to. I don't know if anybody could go with him that long, <laughs> but, but I think he could. <laughs> you know? Like. Yeah, for me personally, um, this one... Uh, the one he, the one that Danielson had with Eddie Kingston on Rampage, mm, that was good and too. Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker on St. Patrick's oh, Day. Eddie, that, Eddie those were my and, favorites. Uh, Eddie and Punk. How about that one? I liked the one with Danielson more. Okay, I thought it was a better story of a match. Okay, like like that, it, like the actual match. Whereas Punk and Punk and Kingston was like this Just very meta, yeah. character-driven type of fight, right? Sure. And it, it's fun. I mean, there's a lot of different types of matches that could be fun, but. Yeah. The, this one, this one was a real. It was a blow away. I was fine with it being first. I mean, it's going to be yeah. really hard to have a rating that's low for your first hour when it's one half of your show, like you said. Right. Your rating's going to be strong because you can't go away from the fourth segment for the fourth quarter hour, of the first hour, if you don't know whether or not the title is going to change hands. I, I also think you have to start with if you're going to go sixty minutes, you have to start the show with it because if you finish with it, then that means your main event starts at 9 o'clock, and then all of a sudden everybody knows what's happening before the match oh, even yeah. starts. You know? Right. If, so they, they knew they had to start the show with And it. also, that was my theory about uh, Grand Slam, is that they did that because they wanted to make sure they didn't get short on time. I agree. Because that show for Grand Slam... That was, was loaded. Way more loaded than loaded. this. Yeah. This one, not so much. No. You know, we'll get to the rest of it. As I mean, we, we only saw CM Punk for 20 seconds, it feels like. You yeah, know? at the very, very end, right. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, great, great match uh, for me coming out of it. My initial thought is Brian Danielson is insane. Um, Hangman Page more than held up his end of the deal, but to me is the Brian Danielson show. And I don't think that's like, I don't think it was like him trying to bury Page or anything like that. It's just one of those things where when someone's just on such another level, you know, like, like LeBron at his peak, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's other great players, but like LeBron at his peak was LeBron at his peak. And Everybody else is just trying to keep up, <laughs> you know. And, and even even when you're past prime, like yeah. even Jordan in his late years, yeah, um, you can still have that one yeah. where it's like, okay, now now I remember why he's as great as he is. Yep. And I don't. Th- Here's the thing about Danielson. I kind of took this for granted when he went to AEW. I thought that's where he was in his career. Yeah, kind of like he was the in that, like the late the last stages. dance. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was in that late stages. You know, the athleticism is kind of not there anymore. He's had the head trauma. He might be more He's careful. He's going to have to play safe. Yep. He's making more money. He doesn't have less to he, – he doesn't have to take as many chances. Brian Danielson as a person is like, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, no, he's out here saying, hey, throw <laughs> me in my head a few more I'm show everybody how great I really am. <laughs> right, You right. know, and the funny thing is, you know, I just watched recent interviews. I mean, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. And he – like he takes the heel persona right in now that Kenny's on the shelf, and he just like flips the switch. Like he's this, yep. this, this biggest dickhead ever. But here's the thing: you can't beat him. No, you can't. You literally cannot beat him. He's the computer on hard. Well, even like, during he, during this match, like there was times where they'd get the dueling chance, like "Let's go, Brian, cowboy shit," you know, and Danielson would take the time to stop that and get the crowd to boo him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he he he'd stop and start posing. You know, like and just be like, "Nope, you're gonna boo me. You're you're not gonna cheer for me. You're gonna boo." And me. I don't know if this was a kayfabe, but he claimed in an interview that when he wrestled John Silver on Dynamite in Long Island, that he wrenched his knee trying to get out of a knee bar. Mm. So 
he was kind of trying to rehab a knee injury. Oh yeah, I don't if know. this if, if this is a hobbled Brian Danielson, I don't want to see a fully healthy Brian. Danielson. And my knees too weak, Tony. I can only go an hour tonight. <laughs> it was like so, the flu game, right? Right. It's like the more you try to weaken him, the stronger he gets. Right. Like the more pissed off he gets. But, but yeah, I mean, this isn't the Brian Danielson show, but it's just it's. I mean, it kind of was because it was yeah, half of the half the show. It was half of the two hours, but. I mean, what a match. I mean, and you very rarely see a match on that level on free TV. That's usually on paper. And I think there's going to be some people who, some detractors who maybe want to criticize that it ended in a draw. But again, it's free TV. It's the first match in the feud. And I understand, I understand the mentality of thinking Hangman should have got a pinfall. But I also think if you want to continue a feud, why does anyone have to get pinned? You know, like, um, I don't think it would have hurt Danielson if... Hangman would have hit that buckshot 59 minutes in and pin him. I don't think it would have hurt Danielson. Um, because because a lot of people have this backdrop of, well, I'm not mad because I know we're going to – because Brian Danielson just got to AEW right. time-wise. So we've got time to get around to have – to like I know this company has built enough trust that me as a fan is is like their mindset. I know that they're going to come back around to this, and we're going to get a resolution. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a blow off. Now, you know, Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega's hurt. He's 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 you know licking his wounds, and maybe him and Danielson will meet again. I'm pretty much going to guarantee they will. Yep. But you, you know, you never know. But in this case, yes, we have to have a winner. Right. We have to find out who the best. Well, I think is. I think the 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 the, the next match is soon you know like i think this is not just something that they're gonna move each guy to someone else like they did with danielson and omega like they have the match then they move on to somewhere else i think these guys are gonna stay programmed together so in that sense i think it makes more sense that danielson didn't lose because if hangman pins him then what's the impetus for him to defend again you know like he could just say i beat right. you next you and know then danielson has to do the thing where he's like the devious heel and yeah oh you made me so mad now i'm gonna challenge you right. even though i'm the champion type of thing the 50 50 book yeah as i say then you can start getting into that that wwe booking that we all complain about like where you have to have three matches just because that's how our feuds go you know <laughs> like, right so right but, yeah Either way, 60 minutes, half the show was a classic. Uh, so the second half didn't really have to do much other than not fail miserably. And I don't think that it did. Uh, I don't think it was great. It was forgettable. It, yeah, I think that's the it best. Wasn't as, it wasn't as forgettable as like that rampage in the United Center. I don't remember a single match on that show. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking don't. about. That's exactly like... This one? Was that Punk Daniel Garcia? Mm, there's a couple that I remember. Was? What's that? Was that Punk and Daniel Garcia? Was that? Um, no. uh, uh, Daniel, it was Daniel Garcia. No, no, no. The um, it was Daniel Garcia and John Moxley. Okay, okay, yep. That yep, was yep. the main event, okay. and I think it had like a lucha, like uh, um, the Jurassic Express did a match, and okay. I, and with Private Party, I remember that. Okay, I just remember the crowd being so fucking big. Yeah. Like, I'm, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to besmirch like wrestling crowds today. I mean, because they do stadium shows like WWE does, and they, they get big crowds and everything. But like when I see some of these crowds, like when AEW did their premiere at the United in the the Verizon Center in Washington D.C., and then they did that one in the United Center, and then Grand Slam. When you see those crowds, you're just not used to seeing those crowds right. anymore. Right. Like it just kind of like. It like it like blows you away. Like wow, look at all these people. Right. You know we'll that's talk what about makes uh, Long Island crowd specifically. In a this few one in Garland was smaller. 
Obviously, it's not a big arena. It, it, they yeah, sold you can it tell out. it was a small arena because you could see like the top row just from the. the it was six thousand. Yeah, the ring, is... the ring cam. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the show. So after the Danielson match, uh, we didn't really get much, much, much post match stuff. It was just kind of match ended and the the announcers raved. But then we had a little bit with the Cole and the Bucks and Bobby Fish, and they're talking about beating up best friends. Who, uh, spoiler alert, Trent is back, and uh, so his his mom Sue, uh, the the Bucks <laughs> the, the Bucks want a super kicker. <laughs> now Trent did kind of like hint at some dissension on the rampage, like dueling promo with mark henry mm-hmm. that they always do where he was like well i just want to talk about me yeah so i don't know if they're trying to do something where yeah Trent he's got a different look now solo. like he's got the shaved head almost like a moxley look uh yes from, but uh so I, I think the big thing coming out of that is cole promises a christmas present to the bucks uh and we wonder if that's in the form of a person uh someone that's pretty cool uh, maybe showing up. We don't know. So, uh, but that's uh, basically next week on the Christmas episode of Dynamite. Uh, these guys are all gonna fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next <laughs> yeah, match. That, one, had... that one's in. Uh, that one's in Greensboro. Uh, yeah. I think. That, I, let me try to remember. It's called uh, Holiday Bash. Called Holiday, Holiday Classic. Bash. Yeah, Holiday yeah. Bash. That's right. So. Right. Uh, and listen, man, uh, if it's anything like that Halloween episode, I'm all for it. I thought the Halloween episode of Dynamite might have been the most fun Dynamite of the year. So <laughs> with, the, with the Ghostbusters. With the uh, Ghostbusters stuff. and Darby yeah. Allen as the Invisible Man. And yeah, that was great. So it was some funny stuff. Right. We had Wardlow uh, defeat Matt Seidel in, in about a minute, minute and a half after a series of power bombs. This was a little weird. Wardlow's thing is that he power bombs guys four or five times. But this time he did it, and Spears gets on the mic and tells him, "Hey, you won the match. Just stop. It's excessive." And then he excessively pummels Seidel with a chair and <laughs> appears to. Uh, I think Spears. I think Spears's gimmick is that he's just a psycho. Yeah, but he, like he's like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. He sucks to me, man. Though. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I think that's been his. I think that's been his like hang up in the AEW from the beginning is that like I think he feuded with Cody Rhodes to start because yeah. the whole idea with the chair is that what happened was that he um in the very beginning of like the their AEW shows even before they had a TV deal they had a show um and Darby and Cody Rhodes went to a time limit draw <laughs> and uh, Sean Spears turned around and just brained him in the head with a chair yep like I mean nasty headshot and um. And that's where he got that sort of that, the that monic- yeah. the chairman, right? So, yeah, this is pretty much nothing. Just uh, Wardlow's been getting these squashes here and there because they're building up to the eventual split between him and. That's not even his finish. His finish is this. It's yeah, it's like, like that. Samoan it's like that spike. spike off the rope. Yeah, right. They didn't even do so. that this time. He just like it was just basically Seidel trying to not get power bombed. Until Warlow just eventually caught him and right. he power bombed him. Right. It that was all it was. So right. Yeah, and it's mostly just to move along the fact that Wardlow secretly is angry with MJF, and we can see it by the facial response responses. The Batista right. Triple H thing happening all over again, which no problem with it. You know, slow burn, whatever. Right. Um, we had a hype package, so it could be ooh, a submission match between Ty Conti and Penelope Ford is going to happen on Rampage. And can I tap out now? Like, in, <laughs> Penelope Ford in the in the tape package is like, yes, I have I I have the mood lock. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, yeah. What else do you know? Right. <laughs> right. Like Ty, I, I know. Listen, Ty Connie does have experience. I mean, we talked about her match with Brooke Baker at um 
Dr. Brubaker, DMD, at um, Full Gear, and, you know, we thought it went too long, yeah. and we think it, she has a really nice repertoire, usually named after her, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't know really where we're going to go with that one. It's That's a... That's a singles match wedged in between a rampage that has two really gigantic tag, yep. like multi-man tag matches. Yep. So it'll be kind of – I don't think it's going to be that intriguing, but – You'll probably have Anna Jay and the Bunny get involved as well. So I'll say this. A lot of blonde women, women in there. We're not going to talk too much about it, but leading up, these TBS um, tournament uh, matches have actually been pretty good. Like, I, they, know, I, I agree. Yeah, I feel like they've steadily improved. The one who I think has really improved is Jamie Hader. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. he she he's is out like now, she, but still. Oh, she's out now with th- an injury. No, no, I mean she's out of the tournament. Oh, right? she's out of the tournament. Yeah. Correct, because yeah. she lost to Thunder Rosa, who's now moving on against Jade Cargill. Yeah. Um, but Hader, she had that match with Rosa. That one was good. Kind of a lot of brawling, mm-hmm. and then she had this one with Riho that was like way better than I thought it was going to be. Hummeler, yeah. Like, I mean, just nasty, like, all Japan type of moves on it. Like, one, a choke slam into a backbreaker. Yeah. Um, there was another. And she's really got a little wild... bit of Wardlow MJF stuff going, too, with her and Britt Baker. Like, she doesn't do the D, True. M, D, you know, like, there's just a little bit of. Oh, yeah, for sure. There, so. Like, uh, and they were arguing because they miscommunicated because Britt uh, super kicked her um, yep. uh, to cost her in the TBS tournament. Yep. And, um,. There was a no- oh, she wasn't at the Friendsgiving dinner. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she didn't show up to Friendsgiving with Tony. <laughs> and Britt Baker tells Tony, we're not doing the DMD. We're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my one of my favorites to watch is, is Hater, Just because, I, I, I mean... She she's an engaging personality. I think she's really good with her with the camera. Um, I think Britt Baker has really rubbed off on her well. But I think in the ring she's she's really really good. Right. Like she's getting better every time I watch her. Well, I mean, I think but since, and the other matches have been good too in the yeah. TBS tournament. Since Ruby we, Soho and Chris Statlander. Right. Since we started the show, we've talked about how the women's division suffers from basically being Britt Baker and a bunch of nobodies. And I think over the past you know month or two, they've put in the time and the effort to try and flesh out these female characters. And it's working with some, and it's not necessarily working with others. Like, I don't think it's really working with Ty Conti yet. No. Uh, there was one today that that, that worked, but yeah. it's because they built it towards each other, yep. and this was sort of their rubber match. Yep. And that's actually the next match. But before that, was uh, we had the, this weird Malachi Black promo where he's, I don't know, like a, a satanic priest like <laughs> in off, daylight <laughs> yeah in the middle of the day and it reminded me that when malachi black was um uh doing the nxt promos i i thought that was like the worst part of his character when he was alistair black because it was very much like a type of like a raven like the quiet occultish yeah. like i was never a big fan i didn't like a whole lot of this the visuals was were cool where he's basically he's he's giving a promo while he's also like clearly like uh putting someone into his house uh he says the house always wins and a key line says now you are more than a king and if you if people don't know uh malachi black's tag team partner outside of AEW is a guy by the name of brody king uh so to me that's that line was uh <coughs> very intentional now you are more than a king so that could mean brody king is coming um if you've never seen Brody King, very, very heavily tattooed, just like Malachi, and beats people up, just like Malachi. He'll but, be fine. But I do like I do like the commitment to the, as they've been saying, the lore. Yeah. But 
I do like the idea, and we had talked about this, and it has become sort of a trend uh, throughout the uh, the Malachi Black interactions, is that when they spew the mist, especially the black mist, into the eyes, like, because the disciple, when he spews into his eyes, he pukes out black. Yep. Like, he pukes, like, it's almost like, it's almost like the his essence. Yep. And that's kind of like what this is, is like, he doesn't, it, he, he doesn't. It's like their baptism. <laughs> right, right. Like I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to put it the best way in this weird occult story. But basically, when he spews the black mist, it's not to like stain you; it's yeah. to corrupt you. Yeah. Like, and it's a corruption that you can't get out. Now, she he also just did this to Julia Hart out yeah. of nowhere uh, when they were doing some standalone interview uh, with the Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, and Julia got it, and we haven't seen her since. So right. I don't. But we know did if see the Varsity Blondes tonight. Yeah. So. Right. Well, we'll see, but. Maybe she is he building a house of black? Maybe so, but I like this idea that anything Malachi Black is involves himself with, whether it's the Varsity Blondes, whether it's Cody and the Nightmare Family, it he he seems to find this sort of inner darkness in them mm-hmm. that makes them do things that they don't feel comfortable doing. Right. So I like a like, Sean, o- Sean O'Hare character done a little more. Uh, but the vignette modern. was yeah. This vignette in particular was kind of campy. I do I agree. agree. With the cuts and the zoom in on his, it was weird because like it zoomed in on his face while he was shouting at the guy, but he was doing a soft, uh, over overlay. Some of the cinematic, yeah. some of the cinematic stuff can hit wrong. Like there was yeah. one with Miro where he's sort of in the white. Yeah, in the, the white. white. Other, like honestly, the Miro uh, stuff. Like, I love Miro, but it almost feels like his feud is like he's building up to a match with God himself. Right, he's like he's <laughs> like so in communication bizarre. with with <laughs> yeah. like his God or his other yeah. like his his greater power, his greater being, yeah. and it's like he's like in a he's like in a he's questioning himself. Yeah, I just kept thinking of Daffy Duck in that Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Mirror, yeah, Mirror the all white background was odd. It was it was a, it, it was wrong. it was a little weird. Yeah. yeah. So uh that women's match you were mentioning was uh the, the, the rubber match uh between Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb. Of course that all started when Hikaru Shida was going for the fiftieth uh singles win, the first woman to get there. Uh and they had the trophy made for her and Serena upset her and beat her. Uh, and it kind of put Serena Deeb on the map. They had a, a rematch, I believe, in the first round of the TBS tournament. Right. Sheeta won that one. And this was our rubber match. This one went about 15 minutes, had a picture-in-picture, picture, and it was a nice little fight, you know. Um, fin- the finishes of the f- previous matches kind of got played in. Uh, Deeb did a really cool um, figure four outside, like a, the Bret Hart figure four in the, the corner. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, cause, cause they do the roll. what they do is they do the roll through and then she jackknot and then she does the bulldog trap, which is how Sheeta won the second one. Yep. But this time Sheeta gets out of it and, and they kind of keep going. So you're like, all right, so this is sort of a continuation. It's almost like the kayfabe, like Deeb has learned from her mistake and now how, how is it going to end now? And what happened is... They did, they, there was a lot of legwork in this match by yeah. both of them. And Sheeta kind of pushes her off with the foot when she was trying to get into a figure four position. Hits like either an exposed turnbuckle or a turnbuckle. Yeah, yeah. Deeb pulled the turnbuckle off and then. Uh, or or am, I, am I getting ahead of you now? Nope, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Deeb pulled the turnbuckle off and then uh, wound up getting smashed into it. <laughs> they got a jackknife roll up. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. So, but it was a fun. It was a good match. It went yeah, 13 it's a good minutes. match. She is this one who, 
she can just have a longer match and it doesn't it it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's taking an eternity. Right. Like if I saw Anna J wrestle Penelope Ford and it went 14 minutes, yeah. <laughs> I'd be ready to go to sleep. Yeah, I'd, I'd but, be like, I'm going to fast forward and pretend I watch it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for Sheena, I think she's really good at wasting time is really the way I'm saying mm-hmm. it. You know? you know what, though? Like in, like we just mentioned how the women were kind of suffering and, and starting to work a little bit. The crowd was really into her comebacks, too. You know, as she mm-hmm. fought back, the crowd was into her. Like when she just really snapped and was just pounding on Serena uh, about maybe 10 minutes in, like uh, she's had it and she just starts laying it into her. The crowd was really into that. So, um, and I guess that also speaks to Serena Deeb as well that they were happy to see her just get pummeled too. So, uh, yeah, Sheeta had great intensity. Yep. Yeah, yes. Like the moment she comes out, she's like throwing a kendo stick at her. Yeah. She's like, like, I don't like you pissed. and I want to beat you yeah. up. Yeah. It I, wasn't this, hey, let's have a rest. Match. So, like, no, it's a feud. I don't talk too much about like how someone looks, especially with the female wrestlers. Is Serena Deeb like was she more tan than usual or something? Something I don't looked know. off about her. Like, I don't know if her gear she was had a different bu- color. She had the bun in her. She had the bun in her hair. She yeah. didn't have it down. The I hair down. I, I can't time. pinpoint what it was, but I remember a couple times thinking something looks different, and I don't really know what it was. I don't know if she just got really tan, or maybe she's just wearing different color to. Made her skin look darker. I don't know. It was, it was she's a, a she's a very good technical wrestler. Oh, that's yeah. her. That's yeah. her. Like her Jones. Like she's just really good at just doing grassroots, like back to basics type mm-hmm. of wrestling. And and you know what? For female wrestling, that's refreshing because you don't always see that. Because a lot of times, even even if it's more serious type of wrestling, it's not the diva pillow fights. Yeah, you see a lot of like the the. The typical type of high flying things because women can do a lot of great acrobatic like right. female wrestlers there's a lot of really good ones there's a lot of good power wrestlers nyla rose does a great power match mm-hmm. you know whereas for for serena she's just like i'm just gonna submit you yep yeah <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah I, I think she's very competent uh in her role you know just kind of like a undercard heel she's not really the title title woman that you'd fight but you know uh, if you got somebody you want to build up, she's a perfect uh, gatekeeper before you put her into like a title feud or anything and, like that. And I'm glad for the showcase for the 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 Japanese women's wrestlers. Like mm-hmm. I think Riho is now getting reheated. She's in a feud with Baker. Yeah, um, Riho. Like when AEW first started, was kind of like you know, she was the first women's champion, wasn't she? Correct. Yeah, and I think she. I think they maybe tried to push her a little too quick, too hard. And well, she's so resentment. small. Yeah. Like, it's so hard. It's like when, remember when Rey Mysterio won the title the first time? Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, but can you really believe he's going to beat this guy and right. this guy and this guy? And not just and, small, but like her, even her gear is like all frills and lacy, like almost like a child. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, but she, can, she can have a good match. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed this, but on Dark, Emi Sakura and Ria's Mizunami have like been feuding for like months. Hmm. Sakura is the one who has like the honorage of uh, servants, and they've actually changed because the one that they had uh, went back to Japan originally. Lulu Pencil, she went back to Japan, and now they have Misaruga. And I don't ask me why, but <laughs> I looked at her Twitter account. That's a strange cat. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. That should be I your gimmick, the strange cat. <laughs> she, I saw her. Uh, I saw her in a tag match where she teamed with Sakura, and she was actually pretty good. Okay. She was actually pretty good. Cool. So keep an eye on them. But yeah, um, involving more of the international flair for their women's division, I think has helped them a little bit. Give them some depth. 
Right. And, and the nice thing is, it, even if they aren't there character-wise, a lot of these women are very very good skill-wise. You know what I mean? So they can maybe yes. win over a crowd, a live crowd, uh, more than maybe... Uh, when they do a move, it doesn't look like they did it for the first time ever. Agree. Like, yep. it looks seasoned. Agree. Yeah. Right. So... Uh, we mentioned kind of casually that Tony met, interviewed the blondes without Julia Hart, but Griff Garrison challenged Malachi to a match, and Brian Pillman was like, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's going to kill you. And uh, Brian Pillman Jr. is like, yeah, I had the job to MJF. You don't need to do this, Griff. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Garrison says, like, no, I'm going to do it. And so Griff Garrison is going to get killed on Dynamite. So. Yeah, um, because they were going to have some long one, right? Yeah, we, we had a recap of uh, one of the... We, we got a couple minutes on this when we get there. Uh, quick recap of Hook's in-ring debut. Hook has been sent, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the tides have turned. The ratings will be won. The, 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 the war I will be over. I can't figure out what it is. Like, I'm still sort of 50-50 on it with the IWC. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's like the Ball Brothers where... Like, if you look at YouTube hits for the Ball Brothers, like, they're constantly the, some of the most watched videos for basketball fans. And I don't know if it's an obsession with them because they're just so intrigued by his dad being such an idiot <laughs> and their, how flashy their style is. But the truth is, at the end of the day, Lonzo and LaMelo are good players. Yeah. Like, well, and I think that's at- the best thing for Hook is that, like, it, like you said, it, is it ironic? Is it, in- is it a meme? Yeah. yeah. But – you know, spoiler, his match, he looked really darn good against Fuego. So A lot I mean, of submissions. Yeah. yeah. Like he, I saw a short little video basically of a guy just gushing over him, talking about like just his, his composure. And he, he didn't look like a guy having his first match. He looked like a guy who'd been there before, which is a, the best you could say about a guy who's actually having his in-ring debut. What, what I liked about Hook is that it's, I don't even think they decided to do it on Rampage on the 11th. I don't think they did it even because, oh, let's just pop a rating. I didn't even think it was meant for that. I think Taz, who's that's his dad, yep. he just wanted to wait till he really felt like it was the right time. Yep. And they just decided, okay, here it is. Let's let's really give it a shot. Yep. He had not the other thing about Hook that people that appeals to people is that um he doesn't wear like funny gear. Yeah, he does kind of like the Muay Thai. He wears, he wears like a gray shorts. hoodie, and yeah. he like eats candy, and he like eats a bag of candy. Chips and he doesn't chips, and he doesn't talk. Yeah, he doesn't talk. That's another thing that people love. Like they love the silent characters. Yeah. So I mean, so far, so far it's working. You know, like, like yes. So, um, but yeah, there was a quick recap of that, which we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Crowd Eddie, was way into him too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eddie Kingston was backstage. He's kind of doing a thing with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Big old match coming up on Rampage. Eddie Kingston, proud and powerful, which is uh, Santana and um, uh, Ortiz. Gosh, yeah, Ortiz. I almost said Santana and Moss. Who's Moss? Riddick Moss. It's Santana Moss. <laughs> oh, Santana Moss. Riddick okay. Moss is uh, Riddick Moss is uh, Baron Corbin's like yeah. hangover buddy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so those three of the Lucha Brothers are taking on Eddie. Said whoever you want, uh, 2.0 and whoever you want. But it showed at the end of the at the end of the show, it's uh, it's the acclaimed. So right. 2.0 and the acclaimed. So. Uh, MJF came out for the main event. This is for the uh, the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Uh, of course, uh, the Battle Royal the week before, the final two, which is kind of a weird match stipulation where they have a Battle Royal in the final yeah, two. Yeah, I had to look this up because I honestly forgot who he beat in the last, the, the first two, because this is the third time. Yeah. So the first two times, the, the first time he got it, he beat Hangman Page. Mm. Um, 
And then Diamond Dallas like, Page gave it to him, and did he lay out DDP? Something like that, yeah. right? And uh, because I remember what happened was that Diamond Dallas Page was cutting a promo, and MJF actually tweeted a tweet in the ring saying, "Could this guy please stop talking? He's so boring." <laughs> <laughs> and then the second guy was Orange Cassidy. Okay, Orange that makes Cassidy sense. in the uh, in Daly's place. So I think sense. a lot of people forgot that. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, last week MJF and Dante Martin were the last two standing. Dante Martin quit Team Taz as quickly as he joined them. Uh, it was maybe the fastest double turn. And, and for those who were unsure, he did. It was a ruse by Leo Rush. They had sort of a yeah. promo package previewing the the winners coming to kind of patch that up for those who were confused. Yeah, because so, yes, I think it needed it. Leo was on it, yeah. right. So this match was, it, it got going pretty good, and I thought the finish was really, really clunky. Like, I okay. thought, I thought, I thought uh, Dante was really going wild with his with his flying like his stuff is so awesome to watch man like yeah but he had like four in a row yeah. where it was like good lord can i we, know like you need to calm it down <laughs> there's the one where he does it's it's not just like a leapfrog but it's like a twisting leapfrog flip where he avoids every, guys he does it oh. in every match and yeah every time every time there's a thing too like when we talked about going back to live fans like there's certain things that when a fa- when fans watch it regardless of like i remember something bret hart said where it's like why do you try so hard in every match? And he said, because there's a good chance that somebody out there, that is the first time and the only time they're going to see me. Yep. So I want to make sure I impress every single time. Yep. And the thing about Dante Martin is that no matter who, no matter who's in the crowd and no matter how many times they may have seen it on television, when you see that move, that little, that little twisting flip, yep. it really like, it puts you in awe. Yeah. Every time I hear the crowd go, Wow. I mean, like, like he's so smooth. We're in a generation where a lot of guys are considered flyers. I mean, you got Ricochet, right. you got the Bucks, you've got like, Will Ospreay, yeah, all these right. guys. I've never seen anyone do that thing that Dante Martin does. It's he, he it's makes crazy. it look so good. He makes a sunset flip look beautiful. Yeah, like yeah. he just does. He makes simple things look extravagant. But he did have this little wild and out moment where he just decided, oh, man, I'm just going to do as many crazy dives as I can. <laughs> felt like somebody playing there 2K. Was, there also, and like and they, early on, there felt... was a really awkward moment where he did a rolling 450, but Ooh. his knee hit his heat. It looked like his knee hit MJF's neck. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that was – I don't know if that hurt or his jawline. And I don't know if that hurt MJF or not, but he was kind of like holding his jaw the rest of the match. It was like a – remember the very first elimination chamber, I think RVD – just crushed Triple H like right in the throat with it. I think with a frog. I don't splash. remember that yeah, at I all. I think it was the very first elimination chamber match. Like Triple H got is that jacked. is that the one where Earl Hebner does the X in the uh, middle of the match? It might be. I'd have because mm. for those who don't know, like back, I don't know if they've changed it, but back in the day, like I'm an old man. <laughs> when the re- when the referee in a match does the X, that means that the ref is legitimately hurt and they yeah. need to the yeah. like. Which they, they, have to, they have to have something different X, now like, because okay. now the X is like plays into stories now, so they must have something right. else now. But, right, that's true too. But yeah, that was early on in. Uh, I, I thought this match was really getting going. It basically, how how it ended is um, Dante hits his move. Um, and double springboard moonsault. Yeah, double springboard yeah. moonsault. Ricky Starks comes out of nowhere and puts uh, MJF's foot on the ropes. Dante gets distracted and turns right into the um, the salt of the earth and taps out. I get it. It just felt like those last two minutes was a little, eh, a little weird. 
it you felt know? like they were just trying to get through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they had to rush, maybe for time. And they had a lot of those, like, uh, I call them the Savage Steamboat near falls, where yeah. you just... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat were, the like, the only ones who ever did it. Like, there's a lot of people who really made those, like... But they did like, it the best, yeah. Those cradle... Eddie, tra- Eddie, you know, and, Eddie and Malenko. Bridges. Yeah, Eddie and Dean Malenko yeah. and ECW did it really well, too. Mr. Perfect mm-hmm. did it a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, but they had that... Because I think they were trying to copy what he did with Darby Allin. And it got... It didn't really get, like the traction with the crowd that they were expecting. I, I guess some people saw it and they were like, oh, this is kind of boring. We're going back to, like, head scissors takeovers. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is that MJF was trying to call a shot again. Like, he was going to win this match with a headlock takeover because that's how he beat Don, um, Darby after he cheated. Mm. So it didn't happen that way. He beat him with, the like you said, the arm bar. Uh, but... There was a moment there where, like, he tried to beat, he tried to pin him with the headlock takeover, yep, and maybe a they were just times. trying to get that. Maybe they were just trying to get that over. But there was some fun stuff in the match. I don't think, I don't think it was like this great, like, memorable, like, man, you got to go out of your way to see this match. Uh, not right. even like, I agree. Not even the same freaking stratosphere as like the first one. <laughs> but, gotcha. Yeah. Um. So then we had how the show ended, and this is a uh, something I think could be an interesting discussion. FTR comes out, hoists MJF up on their shoulders, he's celebrated, and the lights go out and the crowd goes nuts. And I think a lot of people, including myself, were expecting someone new. And instead we just got Sting and Darby Allen. Did you expect like the Briscoes or a, a With debut? the Britunda. Yeah. Did, yeah. Were, were you expecting somebody new? I was thinking maybe the formerly Bray Wyatt was going to appear. Yeah. Now, remember this, too. I don't know if this was a red herring, mm-hmm. but they had, during the Dynamite Diamond, or I think I, they mixed it up a few times. They called it the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. Some people call it the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. Yeah. Like, I couldn't figure out what it was actually. But there's a point late in the match where MJF is squaring off with Ricky Starks and um, Dante Martin, and the lighting went, like, red and blue all of a sudden. Yeah. And... They, there was like no explanation, and Excalibur and Taz knows who are the announcers right now because Jr. is doing chemotherapy. Um, they no sold it and say anything. I don't know if that was like a like a hint, or it was just a weird accident. I can't right. really figure it out. But when I saw that, I was like, hmm, you know, it I just agree. seems like yep. something that would be done for like Wyndham Rotunda if that was the case. Right. So I was thinking that. When it was Sting Darby Allen, I wasn't disappointed. I really, yeah, really was. I, I don't think the crowd was either. I think the crowd was like hyped, especially because it was FTR with, uh, you know, uh, for, we, we haven't talked about it, but Ring of Honor did final battle, maybe the final battle. And FTR and the Briscoes had a thing, and they've been going back and forth on Twitter. So FTR hits the ring, and then the lights go out. I think some people might have, who've been following that would think the Briscoes were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Sting and Darby, uh, and they clean house for a minute. MJF gets the nut shot on Sting, and then they start clean house, and then CM Punk comes out to save the day, uh, wearing uh, his uh, women women's uh, power shirt. Uh, what did it say? There's a picture of, like, a uterus, or, like... Uh, <laughs> you so, would notice that! Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> like, unless you have one of these, then you can get grow one of these, then you can make my decisions for me, something. I don't know. Interesting that he wore that in Texas. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so, yeah, MJF was digging into Texas too. Yeah, so uh, he 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 said that line. He said it in Miami too. Um, I'm not gonna repeat it. But yeah, <laughs> it, was one of those, a... it, it was one of those digs about like uh, incest. And I was yeah. like, 
Uh, he's used it before, but every time he uses it, the crowd shits all over him. So Shirt said, time. get your own, then tell it what to do. Oh. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, so is a, is a pro-choice shirt, which Texas has, you know, the abortion ban and things like that, so. Right. And he still got cheered wildly, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah, he um, you know, he didn't get that same response in Long Island. So I mean, we could probably touch on that a little bit at the after we were done with Winter Is Coming. But um, I, I really enjoyed how MJ, how MJF, how uh, CM Punk just really dug in. He was like, okay, I'm the bad guy in this arena. Yep, I'm gonna make sure they know I'm the bad guy. Yep, <laughs> and he dug into it really good. Yeah. So the show ends with CM Punk basically getting on the mic, hands hands sting a bat, tells uh. MJF, you don't want to face me. Well, guess what? Me and these two guys are going to fight you three guys. That's the match. It's going to happen. So Dynamite, we get the six-man tag uh, with Punk and Sting and Darby versus uh, FTR and MJF. That'll probably be the main event, uh, you know, of Dynamite uh, Christmas episode. But that was Winter's Coming. Um, overall, I don't think you call it a thumbs-down show because the first hour was great, you know. Uh, right. I, I mean, I guess if you didn't like that match, you're probably not going to like the show because you... it trailed off at the end. I know I that agree. they had stipulation about the dynamite um, diamond uh, ring being at stake, and MJF might lose it. Uh, and it was a, it was a, it was entertaining to watch Dante Martin, but you know, I, I probably could have gone without it. I yep. mean, let's be honest. The selling point of excuse me of this one was definitely uh, Hangman and and Danielson, and it delivered. Yep. Uh, and it was one of those situations where you really didn't want to trap it in the last hour in case you know you were pressed for time or some other randomness happens and you don't and you have to cut something short this is one where you wanted to make sure that the title match got the time that you allotted for it and they decided to go the distance you know it's a it's a risky choice um formers up to snuff it could really stink up the joint Mm -hmm. i remember one with seth rollins and dolph ziggler where I think it went 30 minutes. It was the main event of a pay-per-view, and the crowd was bored to tears. Yep. So, uh, you know, sometimes these things do not go the way that you want them to go, but that one did. Yeah, so, yeah uh, I think this one knocked it out of the park. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Winter's Coming kind of sets up for, you know, it, it was really a one-match show, not to dis- dismiss the, the other matches because i think Sheeta and deeb was a good match i think it's worth watching but like that's not really what people were there to see and that's not really what they advertise and that's not really what they I put agree. their booking effort into um and it's leading to a- another match with these two so uh if nothing else you know they gave an hour of dynamite to say hey these two guys rock and they're going to keep on fighting so uh that works um but we got to do like a we like to recap everything that we've done in the past couple weeks but we're three weeks out Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about Long Island a little bit. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so we had the Battle of Long Island because Raw was in Long Island and then Dynamite was in Long Island, both at the same arena. And Andrew, I know you've got some details there on tickets. Why don't you give us uh, the ticket numbers and and what each show had? Okay, so that's a brand new arena that opened about a month ago. That's where the Islanders are now playing uh, in Long Island. Uh, So they decided to do the Raw there on November 29th. 6,000 tickets sold. The key key segments there are involved. Edge was promoted to return, which he did. And then there was the surprise return of The Miz, who had just finished up with Dancing with the Stars. Um, 
Big E and Kevin Owens were in the main event. Um, by the way, Kevin Owens re-signed with WWE. So yeah. the Kevin Steen rumors, you can put that to bed. That's not going to happen. Yep. Um, yeah. Vince McMahon looking for an egg with Austin Theory? Um, I had to, I had to look into this. It was a Faberge egg that's part of a, that was part of the movie Red Notice, which stars The Rock on Netflix. And that, and, and Vince was protecting the egg, and now the egg was, like, lost. And it appears worth a hundred million dollars. Yes, (laughs) and I think Roman Reigns did a dark match. Yeah. Um, so, the rating was, uh, 1.7, 1.68 million viewers, Demo point four five, which for them was on the lower, it looked kind of on the lower end, but not as low as the next one. Uh, Raw's eighteen forty nine has has seen some record lows. A lot the the ratings trend really has been that most of the networks, uh, most of the major shows have had downward trends, especially uh, Rampage. Even AEW Dynamite has had trouble getting above a, back to a million lately. Yep. So just sort of a downtrend, maybe uh, competitiveness competition from football and basketball and other things but uh we'll see if there's an uptick uh when we get closer to like wrestlemania and stuff like that uh for dynamite though this was interesting so they had theirs on december 8th which was like 10 days later mm-hmm. and they had nine and a half or nine nine and a half thousand like 9500 tickets sold yeah. that's that's three thousand better than raw now yep. raw's had some rough crowds now smackdown they just did the Staples Center and sold it out. So they do have their shows where they really get good turnouts, but Raw just has not been hitting right. I don't know if it's because the roster is just not attractive. I don't know if it's because it's just such a it's a it's a three hour drag of a show sometimes and people just don't feel like the initiative to go see it because Roman Reigns isn't always there. I'm not sure what it is. Um for the one, the dynamite in Long Island. The main points were like MJF showing up, where he got cheered like a god. Yep. Uh, Brian Danielson wrestled. CM Punk showed up. Adam Cole wrestled. <clears throat> so they they had they had all the the big stuff in there. Um, a really nice crowd. What I've noticed really with AEW is that if they get above eight thousand, that's a really really good crowd. Yeah. Them. They yeah. usually don't hit that mark unless it's like a major major event. Um, Raw and WWE, I would say, probably better than that. They actually did a house show, I think, in Detroit, where they actually did really good turnout. So mm. it's just kind of like hit or miss with WWE sometimes. But when it came to like people were really obsessing on the internet about that specific dynamic about the UBS Arena because of the fact that the two shows were side by side in the same venue so close together in the calendar and you could exactly and you could compare the shows you can compare the rating which Raw did win and then you can compare the ticket sales which Dynamite won Dynamite was also like about a thousand in terms of average of shows a thousand um like about a thousand people ahead per show average uh, of WWE in the month of November so i don't know if ticket sales are something that Vince McMahon really cares about that much, even though he said that in a conference call, most recent one, that it's like, it's where our fans come alive. I'm like, well, your fans are dead. Because, <laughs> because I'm looking at the hard camera side of your shows, and there is nobody there. Yeah, you sent me that so, photo, uh, I think, from Raw this past Monday. It was, it was rough. It was, it was brutal. And yeah. I mean, and listen, like, I was looking at the seat chart through WrestleTix, great site, and mm-hmm. they, um, I was looking at the Edward. I don't know if they still call it the Edward Jones Dome uh, in St. Louis. That's where Royal Rumble is. It's literally like 
it's like half of the it's half of the dome. Like they're mm. literally like it, it's thirty thousand, which is good, but it's not like on the it's not on the level of like when they did the Alamo Dome in nineteen ninety seven and right. sold it at right or like when they did Midnight Park and uh, and they like sold almost every seat. There. It's not even remotely close to that. Yeah. So it's just. I think it's just a. I think we're just at a point where ticket sales are just a far cry. I don't know if it's just a change in the behavior of wrestling fans, or maybe the economy and the tickets are too. The tickets are too pricey. I can't really figure it out, but I just yeah. found it interesting. Yeah, I agree. That at the Long Island shows, comparatively, AEW's ticket sales were just far better, despite the rating being better for Raw. Right. Yeah, so the Long Island show was basically, I mean, that was MJF's homecoming. He was treated like as a, a, a great baby face, which I was interested if they would still boo him or not, and they did not. Punk was absolutely the heel on this night, uh, to the point where when he uh, gave Ricky Starks the GTS, the crowd hated him for it, you know? <laughs> uh, but let's go back a week, and we'll just kind of hit the last two weeks. There's a third week that I guess I don't think we really need to cover anything from the end of November is our Thanksgiving episode of Dynamite. Let's go back and just do December, because uh, December 1st had a pretty memorable moment, at least, on Dynamite, because that was from Duluth, Georgia, Cody's neck of the woods. And if Cody's going to get cheered anywhere, it's going to be in Georgia. Um, we had some Danielson beating up the the uh, Dark Order, Allen Angels beat him. Uh, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, I think this is the horrible M- Miro promo was on this show. Um, you know, we basically yes. said, I'm going to storm heaven and I, I guess he's going to fight God. I don't really, I don't really know. <laughs> well, when, when he gets back, we'll ask him how it went. Another WWE release. <laughs> oh no. So, uh, Punk and Lee Moriarty had a pretty decent match. Lee Moriarty is, uh, making the most of his opportunities. I will say, uh, they don't really have anything deep for him to sink his teeth into, but they're making time to put him on TV, which is all you can do with these new guys. So um. yeah, I saw him a little bit on uh, get some easy wins on dark. He's just a he's just a really he's a solid submission wrestler. He's got he's got like he's very very finessey. He moves well. Another guy I really like, first name Lee, uh, Shoddy Lee Johnson's really mm-hmm. really too. Yep. Like every time I watch him wrestle or I see their name show up on dark or dark elevation, I'm like. I'm definitely going to check that out. We had a really weird segment on the first, on the December 1st episode of Dynamite where Adam Cole comes out to do commentary. Orange Cassidy comes out and confronts him, gets attacked by the Young Bucks, the best friends save him, and then Adam Cole never did any commentary. It was like, I guess, a trap? I don't know. It just made, it made uh, Orange Cassidy look really dumb, and that's something I don't think they've done very often is make their baby faces look foolish. Uh, so I thought this was a rare, big swing and a miss, not just for AW, but for Cole and the Bucks, who I think have been doing pretty good stuff. And I thought this one was a really big win. Yeah, I remember I remember when uh, Orange, the way that Orange Cassidy started for you and Chris Jericho was Orange Cassidy just walked into his shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is actually funny. Like, that was actually, like, really cool. Like, I could tell, Jer- like, Jericho was in a mindset where it's like, He's such a dickish heel character that I can see him like beating the crap out of a guy just for getting in the way of his shot. Yep. You know, yep. whereas this was kind of silly and it, it wasn't like Orange Cassidy was just randomly walking out there. It was just like, oh, here comes out here here comes Orange Cassidy to confront Adam Cole for no particular reason. Yeah, it just felt now he's really gonna do the way contrived the way kicks and stuff. It's, yeah, it was odd. Um, it's weird. Yeah, that match had uh, Sting and Darby took on the Gun Club and beat them, thankfully. Yep, I mean, 
they're not undefeated anymore. They they were something like thirty five and zero. It's so weird. Um, what else did we have? The uh, only memorable thing from that whole program was that um, Sting comes out in some segment. I think it was the week before that. Austin Gunn is running after uh, Sting, and mm-hmm. Sting just stands there. Darby fucking blindsides oh, yeah. Austin just Gunn. It was a total great, cannonball like, shot. Yeah, it's just like from a, aesthetically, it looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because Darby looks like he does. I mean, maybe because he's so light, people are like, "Yeah, don't hold back. Just hit me with everything you got." <laughs> for the for those who want to visualize it and didn't see it, imagine like when a re- receiver goes over the middle and just gets smashed by yeah, the safety. He, he's coming That's out of the, the tunnel. Like. Yeah, right. So, um, gosh, what else did we see? Uh, Ruby Soho, Chris Statlander uh, had a decent match in the semifinals of the or the quarterfinals of the tournament. Uh, this is babyface versus babyface. I actually didn't know who was going to win that one. I thought Soho, but I thought. I could see a path for Statlander to get there, so Ruby advanced, and so the fi- the semifinals is um, Jade Cargo versus Thunder Rosa, and Ruby Soho versus Nyla Rose. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah. I think that tournament's been booked pretty well. I don't know who's going to win Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargo. Yeah. It's probably going to take place before we do the next show, so we'll know by then, yeah. but God, I don't know. Man. Thunder Rosa never loses, right? you know? Yeah, I, I really don't know. Uh, I, f- I feel like the winner of that match is the winner of the tournament, though. I think Ruby's going to beat Nyla. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. I think that's how that's going to go. So uh, then the main event of this show <laughs> was an Atlanta street fight: uh, Cody Rhodes versus Andrade. Cody, okay, so Andrew, this is something I used to do in elementary school, and a lot of kids used to do. We would take our Elmer's glue and we'd pour it all over our hand and let it dry up, and you'd peel it off, and it looked like you were peeling your skin off. Did you ever do that? Uh, once. Okay. Well, <laughs> Cody did that to his back. <laughs> this entire match, Cody's back looked like it had been horribly charred or disfigured or like dipped in wax or something. It was so jarring. And uh, Taz tried to cover it up yeah. by saying, because what happened is they brawl, like they're brawling or like there's plunder all over this one. Yeah. Uh, like, and you knew Andrade was serious because he's like wearing the suit and he, <laughs> drenched in and, and, sweat. And he, yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm ready for a fight. Yeah. And uh, and the thing is, they they go out brawling. They're with the crowd. And they're near the trash cans. And so Taz is like, I think so. I think something got on Cody's back. I think that might have been some of the garbage in the garbage can. <laughs> it's like, and now we realize it's probably Vaseline or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because yeah. and the reason why is because the match ended with, uh, the guys are fighting in a corner. There's a table. Brandy Rhodes hops into the ring of all people and sets the table on fire. And Cody hits. Was it a reverse suplex? Yeah, it reverse was like a super reverse suplex. suplex from the like the second rope or the yeah. top rope onto yeah. a flaming table. Cody took the brunt of it. Pins Andrade while he's still on fire. While Cody is still on fire. <laughs> not only not only that, he pins he, like there's a little shard of it that's still in fl- that's still flaming. Yeah, and it winds up like near Andrade's hand. And yep. Andrade sees it. and He starts like whacking it. And when he whacks it, it winds up on Cody's back. And the referee is trying to wipe it off of Cody's back before he pins him. Dude, where's the? This is the one where we really do need to like think, think, like think about the person. Like, where the fuck is the fire extinguisher? Right. Like, can we put this out? Right. You know, I, I'm sure that they they get fire department to clear all this stuff. But I mean, good lord, man! Like, I don't. They and let me say this about Brandy Rose. She doused it with kerosene. Like, doused it. Right. Uh. Yeah. I mean, when this happened, you've basically said, do we ask the question, maybe this is for a future episode, like, how far is too far on TV? Like, a flaming table just for 
maybe not even the blow off of a mid card feud. <laughs> I don't know, man. It feels like for Cody, he always tries to up the ante. It feels, for these, and you know what? It feels like he's trying to up the ante just because he's trying to have this epic. Like he's trying too hard, you know. Yeah. Like, like it's it fits within his narrative of, you know, I, I had to go to the greatest stakes in order to like right to 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 get the win type of deal. Right. So yeah, I think a reverse superplex into a flaming table will get the win for you. Right. But I, yeah, I mean that that's risky. You know, I mean we we could probably have this discussion, um, in deeper thoughts some other time. Um, unless you had like some particular thoughts about the flaming table, no, like we, you know what? We also, we also had this one with the Nick Gage with the pizza cutter, where it's like, you know, you're a corporately sponsored program. You're on cable television. You are TV fourteen, and your your one of your greatest appeals is the fact that you are alternative to the sterilized and more PG appropriate WWE products. So you go against the grain, and you want to do stuff like that. Right. So. But I don't know if that's something that I don't know if that's something that you can lean on forever. Right. That's that's my that's my problem. I agree. Yeah, and I, I think that's a discussion that we can have maybe moving forward uh, into our next show. But um, gosh, I don't want to I don't want to cut things short. But um, I do think that uh, we need to wrap up tonight. Um, I, I sent you a text personally, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Normally, we, we go a little more in-depth with things and uh, talk a little bit more, but there's just so much ground to cover, and uh, we're a little bit on a schedule tonight. Um, so here's what I say we do. We table this. When we come back in two weeks, it'll be the end of the year, and we can kind of really pull apart everything AEW 2021. How's that sound? That sounds good. It's gonna okay. be, it's gonna be a lot of stuff, but we can get to it. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. All right. Well, um, I mean, we didn't go the full Broadway <laughs> like we normally <laughs> do. Uh, you know, real life got in the way, and you know, just a little peek behind the curtain. It's about midnight my time where we're taping, and eleven o'clock your time. We both got to work in in the morning, things like that. We don't normally tape this late. Um, but yeah, uh, if if you're listening, you're wondering what we recommend. I would absolutely recommend any Brian Danielson match from the past three weeks. Um, other than that, from Winter's Coming, I don't think you really need to see anything else, including the the Hikaru Shida Serena D match. That's good, but I don't um, think you have to watch it, it. it. Just just for backlog, um, Lucha Brothers and FTR had a good one on Rampage. One yeah. I really enjoyed. That was the best one they've had so far together. Yeah. Yeah. Teams Young Bucks and, uh, beat Rocky Romero and Chuck Taylor. It was a very good tag match. Yep. Uh, that was the one on Dynamite in Long Island. And with Those Rocky Romero and Rocky Romero on TV and Trent back, I mean, Rapongi Vice might be a tag team now. Maybe uh, we see. So, but yeah. Uh, there's a whole lot to talk about, as always. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks, uh, really to wrap up the year. Not just the past few weeks, but the year in AEW. Uh, for Andrew, I'm Jordan. Thanks for listening.
Christmas on a sunny afternoon. 